The Beginning of the End is sponsored by Detroit Bikes, a company inspired by the utilitarian ideals of European bike culture and the manufacturing spirit of Detroit, where they are built. Detroit bikes are minimalist, yet stunning bikes that are light and very well made with the commuter in mind. Check them out at DetroitBikes.com. Remember this feeling? I saw her from afar. He walked in with such casual ease. In the beginning it was new, it was exciting, it was euphoric. Then I started dancing with him and he like literally and figuratively swept me off my feet. Oh yeah, the newness of the beginning of love. It's so sweet and intoxicating. Fewer things in life feel as good, it's true. And you hope it never ends. And most of the time it doesn't. Lucky you. Because for the rest of us, what goes up must come down. It changed in a really slow and gradual way from something that was fun to realizing, oh, like, there'd be problems if we spent the rest of our lives together. We've all been there. One minute, everything's great. Then suddenly, you notice a shift. Then these little movies start playing out in your imagination. You know, scenes of you being totally alone or having to start all over. It's a mind F. Hence, those late nights with that little voice inside your head. You know, the one that says, Welcome to the beginning of the end. From WDET in Detroit, this is the beginning of the end. I'm Alex Trujano, and thanks so much for listening. So this is our second episode, and because of that, I'll take a quick second to remind you that our show is all about when, how, and why things end. And I'm interested in the soul-searching and mental debate of making a big, life-changing choice. For today's show, we have a couple that is currently in the middle of figuring out if they're going to stay together or not. And they've been trying to figure this out for the last three years, which happens to be half of the time they've been together. So I interviewed them separately, but asked them the same exact questions. And they asked me not to use their names. So I give you him and her. He's unusual. He's shy and caring, but he's really just up for anything. She's generally a a good-spirited kind of optimistic person. Laid back. Good sense of humor. She's goofy and... And creative. And funny. funny. And he's smart. Which is definitely appealing. I never really know what's going to happen next. And I kind of like that. Him and her met in college. They were young, taking classes together, and worked at the same big box hardware store. And I didn't really notice him. And she walked by me. So I was just kind of like, hey, and... I said something sarcastic to her, and she turned around and she threw something at me that was so quick-witted, it froze me. And we stood there just looking at each other for a few moments. And then she walked away. After learning that he did better on an exam than she did, she started to take notice of him. So I was kind of like intrigued, like, oh, there's more to this guy, and I gotta find out his name. 
Nine months later, they started dating and eventually moved in together. Everything was great. We could spend, you know, all day together for a few weeks. We were comfortable and enjoyed being around each other and... Just made each other laugh, didn't have to do anything. We just liked being together and hanging out in our pajamas type of thing. We started taking improv classes together. That was very new for both of us. We were just willing to check out whatever, give it a try. And we were always very supportive of one another too, I guess. Prior to us even beginning to, to date, I'd been diagnosed or I'd been seeing a therapist for like a, a mild depression and anxiety and made my, my mood generally just kind of down. Or I went back to school and got a professional degree that took almost all of my time and attention. There were certain points where he would come to me and with a want or a concern or a need and I would just be like I have a final in two days can we talk about it in a week which isn't really fair but that's how I had to survive Mm -hmm. to get through that I think he got used to me not being there because I was unhappy with my job and I'm a I work as as basically a clerk or bookkeeper in an accounting department, and it's not good for me. It's not. I would come home from work, and she'd try to have conversations with me, and I was just drained completely of any ability to even really engage in it. Made me so miserable that I'm always trying to push myself and figure out how to get myself into a situation that I'm happier in. He started taking classes in Chicago every week. And writing. And I was kind of happy when he was gone. Because that meant I could just do work that whole day. Like, I would get so much done. And I mean, that's just kind of sad in itself in a way. The time he spent in Chicago had him feeling alive for the first time in years. I was getting a lot of emotional fulfillment from writing. I wanted to explore more creative pursuits or or just interests. She could see it. He wanted to move. And yet, because she was in law school, I couldn't. And it felt terrible. Coming up, what life is like now, and some brutal realizations about their futures. We don't tell each other that we love each other as much. There would need to be time and energy that I don't even know if that would work. Okay, here's a quick story on how I met our subjects today. From the beginning of this idea, I was looking for a couple, but didn't get any submissions, not one. So one night at the Moth Story Slam in Detroit, a popular storytelling event that I've been hosting for the last five years, I asked the audience if there was a couple in the house willing to talk to me. And lo and behold, that's how I found him and her. By the way, the theme for the moth that night was Love Hurts. Here's a quick ask. I want to collect your stories for a future episode about the end of a secret. So, if you've been holding onto a secret that's been making you crazy, that you want to get off your chest, but you're not sure if you should, 
I want to hear from you. What are the risks? What are the rewards? What are the impacts of holding on to the secret or letting it go? Send me your stories, okay? The best way is to record yourself on your fancy smartphone and email it to beginningoftheend at wdet.org. As they say, keep it brief. Don't bore us. Take us to the course, okay? All right, thank you. Listen, so you can also get details at our website, thebeginningoftheend.org. And now, a word from our sponsor. The Beginning of the End is super pumped to have Detroit Bikes as a sponsor because they're a company with a pretty cool vision. They were inspired by how cities work and the part transportation plays in its planning. So they set up a 50,000-square-foot factory in the city of Detroit to make these really well-made minimalist bikes with the mission to help bring manufacturing back to the Motor City. So they hired highly skilled men and women who seem to care very much about what happens in the city they call home. Our producer, Shelby Jopi, talked to a Detroit bike employee called John, who totally sees the larger mission. It's just a cool idea. You know, I like, I like to see uh, something happening in the city of Detroit. Uh, and it's, obviously, I like the hand-built thing, you know, and uh, love bicycles. I love anything with two wheels, motorcycles, bicycles, anything. Yeah, so I feel kind of lucky to be here. Why is what you do here at Detroit Bikes important? Because it gets people out of cars and on bicycles, and it's a, a greener thing. So you know, I think to me that's a helps the environment. So it helps the environment. That's kind of neat. Because you're getting healthier and you're riding your bicycle, and it's you know, less traffic, one less car. Maybe that's what you say, you know. <laughs> Detroit bikes encourage cycling by making an accessible, enjoyable bicycle while continuing Detroit's legacy of quality manufacturing and design. My favorite is the A-Type. What's yours? Check it out and decide at DetroitBikes.com. Now, back to the show. This is the beginning of the end from WDET in Detroit. I'm Alex Trujano. You know, they say that relationships are a lot like flowers. They need constant watering. And, you know, I'm far from a model partner of any kind, but I do know one thing. If you don't remember to water them, they're dead. These days... It's kind of strange at the house. The relationship isn't really clearly defined. You know, we we live together, we sleep in the same bed, but our level of affection is really strained to the point where even a hug sometimes feels awkward. It just feels stagnant. The consideration we used to have for one another is not the same. Now he's a lot less positive. He doesn't communicate as clearly. It became a lot more difficult for us to talk to one another. When one of us would try to have a conversation with the other, the other was disengaged. We don't tell each other that we love each other as much. It used to be at the end of every phone conversation, we'd say, I love you, or I love you. And now we withhold that. I feel like it could work out, 
but I don't know if I'd bet on it. If I'm being honest, I, I don't I don't think that we have a shot. Being on my own, I have thought about that. Being alone has always been a huge fear for me. Yeah, it is a little scary. It's It would feel weird. And you're not going to have her around every day anymore to just talk to, to see. Good luck finding anybody else. Each time we say we're going to try and do something different, just backslides. She's struggling just as much to try to get her own career on its feet. I think he's also trying to figure out who he is. I don't see either of us making the sacrifice to stop focusing on ourselves long enough to make our relationship and our emotional involvement with one another the top priority. I think it would take a further commitment than either of us have ever experienced. There would need to be time and energy that I don't even know if that would work. Honestly, I think we just both changed. We both love each other. Like, I do love him. And I, and I have always had this thought, like, love should be the most important thing. After the interviews were over, we were all in the green room talking about how things went. And at one point, she reached over and started rubbing his back. And it was like this sweet little moment that I wish I had videotaped so I could play it back to them so they could see how they were toward each other. You know, it kind of made me feel like maybe there was something there worth fighting for. I don't know. I'd like to know what you think. What advice would you give him and her? And can you relate to their story? Share your thoughts with me. Tweet us at B-O-T-E podcast. Post some comments on our Facebook page. Or email me, or even better, send a voice memo from your smartphone to beginningoftheend at wdet.org. I'd love to hear from you. So I did check in with him uh, a few months later after this interview, and uh, here's an email that I got dated March 28th, 2015. We, as my self-fulfilling prophecy foretold, are not together. And she's been slowly for about a month now moving out while preparing a basement room at her sister's place. We frequent a theater nearby where we constantly bump into each other and we'll exchange brief hellos before compelled to exit the situation. The world tells us to follow dreams and letting her go to try to find this different place feels counterintuitive. And yet some part of my mind is convinced this had to happen. We weren't ready to be further committed. And in the long run, we'll find ourselves happier having gone through whatever we're now going through, even if sadness persists a while. That's what I have to believe. Otherwise, there may be no moving forward. Next, on the beginning of the end, a son talks with his father about preparing for the end of his parents' lives, who are over 100 years old. All of their generation are dead. They're all dead. They have outlived their own life. And so they have this kind of macabre loneliness, as if they're aliens you know, on their own planet. 
The Beginning of the End is a production of WDET and is made by me and Shelby Jopi. This episode was edited by Laura Weber Davis. Our theme is by the great Detroit band Duende. You can find them at duendeole.com. That's D-U-E-N-D-E-O-L-E.com. Special thanks to Nick Chalice and Jenny Nags of the duo La Clabelle for writing and performing all of that beautiful haunting music you heard today, which they wrote especially for this episode. I'm super grateful. You can check them out at laclabellemusic.com. That's L-A-C-L-A-B-E-L-L-E music.com. I'm Alex Trujano on Twitter at A Trujano Detroit, and so is the show at B-O-T-E Podcast. If you have a beginning of the end story, let us know by recording a mini version of it using your voice memo app on your smartphone and email it to us at beginningoftheend at wdet.org. You can also find us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcasts. And you know what? If you like us, do me a favor and tell someone. You can also write a review in iTunes because that helps people find us and you know that we want to be found. Thank you to our sponsor, Detroit Bikes, who encourage cycling by making an accessible, extremely well-made bicycle while continuing Detroit's legacy of quality manufacturing and design. Check them out at DetroitBikes.com. Go to our website, beginningoftheend.org, for photos, links, and extras. And as always, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. The End.